0: Good afternoon, everybody. Before I share my message today, which is uh, we're starting a new series on the names of God, I would like you to turn to somebody that you don't know or that you haven't talked to in at least two weeks, and I want you to tell them your name and, as far as you know, what your name means. All right. And so, just turn to someone that you haven't talked to for at least two weeks. and tell them your name and what you believe your name means. And if you don't know, just tell them you don't know, um, and then swap. All right. As Lorraine said, you will have a chat to chat. Uh, you'll will have a chance to chat more later. In fact, um, during the discussion time, the first question is about your names. You'll have to. You'll have an opportunity to share with other people as well. So my name. Is Jinha, but many of you don't know that I have a middle name as well. So my name is Jinha, Jeannie, Kim. Now names do more than serve as identification. They tell us a lot about who we are and where we come from. So for example, if a stranger looked at this name on paper without ever having met me, they can already tell a lot. For example, my last name, Kim, if you have met people from around the world, you will know that that's a Korean name. In fact, the chances of meeting a Korean person whose last name is Kim is one out of five because Kim, uh, more than 20% of the Korean population, shares this surname. It dates back to the Silla dynasty, 57 BC to 930 AD, when there was a king whose last name was Kim, and so many families adopted that last name for themselves because they wanted to be associated with the king, even though they weren't. Uh, related at all and so over 600 clans shared that last name Kim and so when Roy and I started dating we made sure that we were from different clans we are not related at all and it was very convenient to not have to change my last name in fact I did change my last name <laughs> um, so Kim tells you that I'm Korean my first name Chenha means true water My parents named me after this Bible verse in John chapter 4, verse 14. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is Jesus when he's talking to a woman at the well. And so they wanted me to be like Jesus, the source of... Actually, they named my sister Wonha, which means source of water, and I'm Jinha, true water. So both uh, names have to do with this chapter in the Bible. So how did I get the name Jeannie, right? Jinha and Kim, that makes sense. So where did Jeannie come from? Well, I moved, so I was born in Korea, and then I moved to the U.S. when I was eight years old. And um, when I arrived there, one of the first things we did was go to church, and we went to a Korean-American church. And ironically, the pastor of the Korean-American church said, you need an American name. And so he gave the name Jeannie because... He was a big fan of the TV show, I Dream of Genie. Yes, I see some of you know that show. And so the irony was that in the Korean American churches I grew up in, I was known as Genie. In the American schools I was at, I was known as Jinha because that's what my official like, name was. And so then, and my sister growing up, for some reason, like we saw, we called each other by our American names. So I called her Irish, she called me Genie, but... Um, my parents called me Jinha, so I was living this dual identity for a long time. And finally, when I went to uni, I said enough of the split personality. Like, I want to just have one name because there were people who only knew me as Jeannie and did not know like who Jinha was, and vice versa. And so, I finally, when I got to uni, said, "I want to be known." I made everybody switch to Jinha because that's the name that means more to me because my parents gave it to me, and I wanted to embrace my identity as a Christian as well as as a Korean uh, person rather than just a TV figure <laughs> of Jeannie. But when I became a U.S. citizen <clears throat> when I was 22, I decided, because, you know, when they fill out the form, like, you can actually change your name when you get your citizenship. And so they said, do you want to add a middle name? And I thought, you know what, maybe I should add Jeannie as my middle name just to embrace that, you know, I am a Korean American and that is a side of me. And um, that I hadn't completely abandoned. And so I um, officially made that my middle name. So my official name is Jinha Jeannie Jin Kim. Now, I've been an Australian citizen since 2017, so maybe I ought to add an Aussie name. <laughs> now, according to the McCrindle research, the most popular baby name in 2023 was Oliver for boys and Charlotte for girls. Hmm. But we don't have either of those in our church. And so we've all gotten um, our, our our church's babies are all very creative. Now, it takes a lot of consideration to think of what name uh, to give a child. When we had Micah, you know, we were debating different names. And we really liked Timothy and who he was. But we were like, his name's going to be Tim Kim. Nope, not going to happen. <laughs> and so, um, so then we were looking and then we really liked the name Micah. Um, not only because of the prophet Micah, um, but we love that verse in Micah, one of our favorite Bible verses that says, what does the Lord require of you, right? But to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And we love that verse. Um, And we love how Micah came in a dark period of time and brought hope and um, promise of God's coming. Um, And the word the name Micah means who is like God So that's why we named Micah Micah and then when of course Joshua came along, we loved the name Joshua as well which means God is my salva- God is salvation and the character of Joshi um, you know leading the people to march around Jericho and leading them into the promised land uh, was also a great um, name that we wanted to give our children. Now in biblical times names held even more importance and significance. For example, the last time I preached, I talked about Jacob. Now, who remembers what Jacob meant? Anyone? Deceiver, fighter, supplanter. Like, he's always, he's literally a heel grabber, right? Never satisfied, right? Always wanting more, always wanting to be better, always struggling. And then, after wrestling with God, God changed his name to Israel, which meant... Um, Well, it does have have a bit of meaning um, about conquering and and, and victory. Um, So it, it means the one who prevails or wins with God. Another possible interpretation I shared was God mastered man. And so he has a name change. Now, I shared how when he has this encounter with God and God changes Jacob's name, and then Jacob says, well, what is your name? And if you remember in Genesis chapter 32, God doesn't answer. Jacob says, what is, please tell me your name. And God says, why do you ask my name? And then he blesses him there. So God just doesn't answer. And we left it there, you know, the last time I preached, which it's been a month. So I forgive you all for forgiving, (laughs) forgetting what was shared. Now, what happens is not much um, after this time, God actually picks up the conversation exactly where he left off. And so in Genesis chapter 35, so t- some time has passed, and Jacob, it says, now that Jacob had returned from Padanaram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. And God blessed him, saying, your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. So he's picking up the conversation where it left off. And then, look at what happens next. Genesis 35, verses 11 and onwards, God says, and he finally reveals his name. He says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. So God finally answers the question of what is your name? God says to Jacob, I am El Shaddai. Shaddai. Now, if you grew up in the church in the 80s and 90s, there's a song running through your head right now. It's been in my head all week long as I've been preparing for this sermon. It's a song written by uh, Michael Card, but sung by Amy Grant, and beautiful song. Um, so you're welcome now that it's your head. But um, what does it mean? What does El Shaddai mean? What does it mean that God says to Jacob, I am El Shaddai? Because in the Bible, God has many names. And like I said, we're doing a new series. And so I wanted, this is the first one, but we'll look at a few more. Um, He has so many names. What does El Shaddai mean? This is what it looks like in the Hebrew. Now, this phrase, this name of God, El Shaddai, occurs seven times in the Old Testament. But Shaddai, without the El, appears actually 41 times by itself as well. And in the English Bible... The phrase is usually translated as God Almighty. God Almighty. El being the word that's translated into God, and it's often combined with other aspects of God's character. But what does Shaddai mean? Hmm. Now, scholars have posed various interpretations of where this word came from, the etymology of this word. Because words change meaning, right? Right? And Genesis was written about 3,500 years ago. And so scholars who study ancient languages, they do their best to say, we believe this word means this based on the literature of that time or based on the other words that are used. and But no one can know for sure. So here are some possibilities that the scholars have come up with. One possibility is that Shaddai is from the Hebrew word Shad, meaning breast. And it actually refer, it may refer to God nourishing and supplying his people with their needs, just as a mother nurses her baby. And so God being the sustainer, provider, life giver, a beautiful image of his tenderness. Other scholars believe that Shaddai is from the ancient Akkadian word for mountain, Shadu. And so El Shaddai is the god of the mountain, mighty, powerful, strong. A third possibility is that Shaddai is from the Hebrew word Shadad, meaning destroyer, overcomer, a god who will use violence if necessary. The fourth possible origin of El Shaddai could be a combination of the Hebrew words El for God, and then the prefix Sh, which means who or what, and then Die, which actually means sufficient or enough. So if you put it all together, the God who is enough. I think all four of these possibilities actually quite portray a harmonious picture of God in my mind. As a very strong, all-sufficient God who provides for us like a mother nurtures and protects her own, strong and powerful like a mountain. In the 3rd century BC, the Egyptian king Ptolemy Philadelphus Commissioned a translation of the Hebrew Bible. So for, you can imagine for, you know, uh, over 1500 years, the writings, um, the Hebrew scriptures were only in Hebrew. And then King Ptolemy, as he was creating this huge library in Alexandria, said, hey, I want a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. So then, 72, um, rabbinic translators, scholars from Jerusalem in the third century got together and translated the Old Testament writings from Hebrew to Greek. And, you know, it's always tricky when you're translating something because you're not going to have the exact right word for it, right? So they do their best, and that's why 72 of them gather together to debate and choose the best Greek words. And these first translations um, is what are collectively called the Septuagint. So if you've ever heard of the Septuagint, that's what it is. It's the first Greek translations of the Hebrew Old Testament, it's not just one, because it's a collection of many translations. And today, you will see um, different manuscript copies in various museums of the Septuagint from the third century BC. So then, scholars have looked at well, how did those first, you know, those third century scholars translate El Shaddai into the Greek? What Greek word did they use? And that also gives us a clue as to, even though 1500 years have passed, Since Moses wrote Genesis, perhaps through oral tradition, the Jewish um, community have kept to the essence of the meaning of El Shaddai and then translated it into the appropriate Greek word. So what word did they use? It's a Greek word, panto, krator. Panto meaning all, and krator from the Greek word krateo, to hold on. The God who holds all things together. The same word is used by the New Testament writers 10 times, mainly in the book of Revelation. For example, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, this is Jesus speaking, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Pantocrator, Krator. Translated in English as the Almighty One, but you see how it doesn't quite capture all that it actually means. El Shaddai, or Pantocrator, is the name of the God who holds all things together, the beginning and the end. History, present, future. El Shaddai has held you from the beginning when you were nursing in your mother's arms, protects you in the present like a strong and mighty mountain, and he holds you unto the end with his great power. And from the beginning of your life to the end, El Shaddai... Is all you need. He's the God who is enough. The first time El Shaddai appears in the Bible is actually when God is speaking with a nam- man named Abram. God had come to Abram and he had said to this man who desperately wanted to have children, and, him and his, he and his wife Sarah couldn't. There were, he was 75, and Sarah was 65 years old, and God had come to them and said, you're going to have children, you're going to have descendants, your nation is going to come from you. So you can imagine that they're feeling very hopeful. God has come to us, he's going to do this amazing thing. And year after year goes by. Almost 25 years go by. Now mind you, God doesn't leave them alone for 25 years. He appears to them again and again, he repeats his promises. But you can imagine how discouraged they might feel, how frustrated. So it's understandable to a degree that Sarah says, forget it, it's not going to happen through me. Um, Have a child with my servant Hagar, and Abraham does. And so they have Ishmael. But 24 years from the first time God promises Abraham, God comes to Abraham again. So like I said, he appears to him multiple times. But he comes to him in Genesis chapter 17, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. And then God goes on. At this, Abraham fell down on the ground and God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. Notice how God changes Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. He also changes Sarai's name to Sarah. Sounds the same, but it is <laughs> it is spelled differently. Um, and he, he reveals himself. He says, I am El Shaddai. So this is the very first time in the Old Testament that we hear that name. And God gives it himself. It's not someone describing God. God says, I am El Shaddai. Right? And think about all that it means. And God is saying, this is who I am, Abraham. Abraham this, is, this is what I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And many kings will come from you. And sure enough, when Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90, they have a son. Named Isaac, and Abraham passes on this name of God to Isaac when he, um, you know, is is dying, and he blesses Isaac. He gives um, Isaac that name, the Almighty El Shaddai, and then, of course, when Isaac is about to, you know, uh, is he's old, he passes on that name to his son Jacob. So, for example, in Genesis twenty-eight, he's blessing Jacob, and he says, "May God Almighty." In Hebrew, he says, "May El Shaddai." Bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessings given to Abraham so that you may take possessions of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. So now there's this legacy that's being passed on from generation to generation of who El Shaddai is. If you remember the story of Jacob, um, and if you haven't heard it before, Jacob struggled his whole life right? He had a difficult life, both because of his own, you know, um, character, but also because of his circumstances. But throughout that tumultuous life, El Shaddai was always with him. And when Jacob grew old and he had, you know, many children and he had his favorite son, Joseph, but Joseph too had a really tough life. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. If you think You know, you don't get along with your siblings. This is pretty bad, right? Next level. They sell him into slavery, and then he's a slave, and then he gets falsely accused, and he's thrown into jail. So altogether, 17 years of being a slave and a prisoner. And all that time, separated from his family, all that time in exile, right, in a foreign land. But all that time, El Shaddai was with him. And when Jacob, uh, sorry, Joseph is finally reunited with his father Jacob, when Jacob is almost at his deathbed, Jacob gives this blessing to Joseph. Genesis 49, Jacob says, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near spring, whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility. But his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. Because of your father's God who helps you, because of the El Shaddai who blesses you with blessings of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breast and moon, your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. You see, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, all these patriarchs of faith, They had to learn to wait and trust in the power, the providence, the sovereignty of El Shaddai. They didn't get to see the answers to their prayers straight away. They had to go through very difficult times. But through it all, they had to learn that El Shaddai was still with them. Understanding God as El Shaddai has profound implications for our faith and our daily living as well. Do we trust that God holds all things together? Let me think about that for a second. Do we trust that God holds all things together, not just human history, but our own personal lives, our challenges, our strengths, our weaknesses, our pains, our frustrations, our disappointments? Out of the forty-eight times that El Shaddai or Shaddai is mentioned in the in the Old Testament Bible, did you know that thirty of them? So you know, we've seen the ones from Genesis, but thirty of them are from the book of Job. And the story of Job is about a man, who a good guy, who has to go through awful things. He loses his children. He loses all his wealth. He gets physically ill, right? So imagine all the horrible things that could happen in life, and it's happening to him. And yet, in this story of pain and injustice, the Shaddai, name of God, appears 30 times, reminding the readers that God is still in control, that God is still holding all things together, that he's still all-sufficient, all-powerful. Do we recognize that we need God at every moment? It's so easy to live through life and just think and, and, and expect that we'll wake up the next morning, that tomorrow will be like today, right? That 10 years from now, all the plans that we make today, we'll be able to see. But we actually have no idea what's going to happen today or tomorrow. Our every breath is actually dependent on God. Do we recognize that he is the El Shaddai who is the sustainer of our lives? Do we believe that God is powerful? That he is the El Shaddai who can do the impossible things. That he's able to save and to destroy. That he's actually an awesome God, right? Someone with incredible power, omnipotent and mighty. And do we realize that God is enough? That all the things that our hearts desire and all the things that challenge us because they're in the way of what we desire cannot actually satisfy us. Nothing except the God who is enough, the El Shaddai who actually is all we need. In our weakness, he is strong. When we have more spiritual, physical, or emotional strength, God comes in that gap And it's in that gap where he ministers to us that he, the El Shaddai, transforms us. When we cry out in our troubles to him and confess that we just don't have enough strength or wisdom or power, that's when we experience the El Shaddai giving us a new identity. He gives us that new name where we go from Abram to Abraham, Jacob to Israel, where God fills us with his spirit And we go from being like the Dead Sea to being like the fountain of water flowing into everlasting life. When we realize that God is actually enough, that God cares for us and that he has the power not just to change our circumstances, which of course is nice, but ultimately to change our characters and our perspectives and our attitudes towards what's happening around us and our relationship with him, that's when we get to really experience the El Shaddai God. So whatever challenges you're going through today, whatever anxiety you might have about the future, I want you to think about the God who holds everything together. I want you to remember that El Shaddai is still with you. He has a plan for your life, and his comfort and his strength will carry you not just through the mountaintops and the valleys, but until the very, very end, right? The Alpha and the Omega. He's going to fulfill his promises. And he's going to be uh, with you so that at the end of it all, you'll experience the fullness of what El Shaddai means to you personally. I want to challenge you this week. You know, this week has been a bit of a tumultuous week for us. And without going into details, you know, you think you have your life planned and years like starting and, you know, everything's where it's supposed to be, and then something, wrench comes into everything, and it's like, oh, okay, just now I don't know what's happening anymore. (laughs) And it's in those moments where, on the one hand, hand, it's exhausting, because, you know, all that thinking and worrying and praying, and, you know, it it can be quite emotionally draining, right? And you still have to go through life and everything. But as I was preparing this sermon, um, and I was struggling through what else should I mean to me this week? One thing I've realized is that it's in our weakness, right? When we say, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and when we say, God, there's really nothing we can do about it. It's really up to you. Um, it's in those moments where I think we get to experience that reminder that, yeah, it might not happen in our, in our timeline. And yes, we might not understand it now. But God cares and he has a plan for us and his promises always come true and so El Shaddai God the name of God El Shaddai that character of God it reminds us today and I want to challenge you today to trust in him to sit through the suffering and the anxiety and the unknowns right and to trust that El Shaddai is always gonna be with us step by step and he will carry us through will you pray with me please El Shaddai, God, there is nothing too hard for you. You have everything that we need. Thank you for providing for our needs. Forgive us for forgetting how powerful you truly are. Help us to trust that you are Lord of all, that you care for us deeply and tenderly. Teach us to wait, to serve, and to walk humbly with you day by day, trusting that you are El Shaddai, that you hold all things together, and that you... Hold us in your arms. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.